Good morning, Southview. How are we? All right. Good to have you with us today. Uh, if you are new with us, I am Brad. I'm the pastor here at Southview, and we get the privilege today to begin worship together with celebrating baptism. We love baptism because of what it represents and celebrates. It celebrates the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus for us. And it celebrates people coming to faith in Christ and saying, I'm dying to my old life and I'm rising again to new life in Jesus. And that is so glorious. We had a chance to see one baptism this morning already in the first service. Now we've got a couple more for you here today. So I want to introduce Reese to you. Reese, come on down. All right. Come on around the side. Perfect. This is Reese Jordan. Reese is coming today, uh, having placed faith in Jesus Christ, and coming today celebrating that, making that public, and following through 
with baptism. So to hear Reese's testimony, just please watch the screen. Hi, my name is Reese Jordan. As some of you probably know, I grew up in the church and I attended private school, private Christian school for my entire childhood. I've actually already been baptized once when I was seven, but I got baptized without knowing what it actually meant. And I only did it because the other kids in my class were doing it. I thought that being baptized meant that I was officially a Christian. And so I did it and um, I moved on with my life and I grew up calling myself a Christian when I was truly living for the world. And as I got older, I really began to struggle in my faith and struggle with wondering if I was actually a Christian because I didn't really know what it meant to walk in the life of God. Instead of turning to God and trying to form a true relationship with Him, I ran from God and I just tried to avoid the problem altogether and just move on with my life. And it wasn't about until two months ago I saw a video about what it meant to be a lukewarm Christian. I watched it and it described my life to the T. And I realized then that I really was calling myself a Christian without walking in a true life of God. And so right then I prayed for the first time in entirely too long and I gave my life to God. And so today I'm getting rebaptized to officially proclaim my new life that I'm stepping into walking with God. Well, Reese, having heard your testimony and your faith in Christ as your Savior, it's my honor and my privilege to baptize you now, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Ready? One, two, three. Amen. Amen. All right, have a seat. Stay seated for me. Let me pray for you, all right? Lord, we just thank you so much for Reese. We thank you, God, for her life. We thank you, God, that you pursued her and called her and and drew her in. We thank you, Jesus, that you never left her and you were always calling. And I thank you, Lord, that she turned to you. I pray, God, your hand on her. I pray your spirit mighty and powerful in her. As she goes on with life, I pray, God, that she is a woman who knows and loves and glorifies you with everything. Thank you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, give her a hand. All right, Allie, come on. This is Allie Saroy. Allie comes today again as well, proclaiming her faith in Christ. And so now listen to Allie's testimony. Hi, I'm Allie Saroy. I've always been a believer. I was baptized as a baby and grew up in a church in Maine. Um, But as I grew up, my faith had to change from a faith chosen for me to a faith that I chose. And that took me a few years. <laughs> I married a military guy and we moved seven times and had three kids. So life got really hectic. Um, about five years ago, I realized something needed to change. And what was missing was desire. So I, I deeply desired the Lord and started being in his word daily and I desired a relationship with him and began seeking him. Today my walk with the Lord has led me here and I desire to be baptized today because I love Jesus and I wish to be baptized in his name. 
Amen. Amen. Well, Allie, having heard your testimony and your faith in the Lord, it's my privilege to baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Ready? Amen? All right, stay seated. Let me pray for you, okay? Lord, we just thank you for Allie. We thank you, Lord, again, just like you were always there pursuing her and drawing her. And I thank you, Lord, that she saw you and turned to you, and you have grown her, Lord, in a genuine and real faith in you. Thank you, Jesus. I pray, God, that you'll continue to do this work to bear out fruit in her for your glory. Thank you, Lord, for new life. We love this. We celebrate this, and we celebrate you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, guys. Well, everyone, let's stand. Let's worship Jesus Christ together. Amen. Good morning, church. Let's sing and let's celebrate these truths, these amazing truths our God saves. Celebrate the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. There is a truth older than the ages. There is a promise of things yet to come. There is one born for our salvation, Jesus. There is a light that 
marvel of these things, what God has done for those that believe. Scripture tells us in the book of 2 Corinthians, it says, For our sake he made him, meaning Christ, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And because of that, not only because of that, but that's a, a huge component the psalmist tells us, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Isn't that amazing, church? That while you and I were dead in our trespasses, had no desire for God, he called you by name. And so my prayer is for those that are here who have never, the gospel has never touched your heart, today God will call you home. And there's a decision that you have to make, but the first decision is God. I pray that God would move in our hearts as we worship through song and through prayer, as we worship through baptism and communion, the joining of new brothers and sisters into the family of God, that as our, as our pastor preaches the word, that it dwells richly within us, that we might stand in awe of who you are, Lord marvel at your grace and your mercy and your holiness. May your name be hallowed, be made holy in this presence, in this gathering today. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the
Amen. Amen. Hey, if you have a Bible, let's find Luke chapter 15. Luke 15, we'll land there here in just a moment. But um, as, we, as we head towards that, we're, we're finishing up a series today that we're calling If My People. Um, the point of this series is to do a quick study overview of the book of Second Chronicles with the idea of the book of Second Chronicles is really God's Old Testament book of revival. And what you see in the book of Second Chronicles is here's how God revives his people and here's what happens when his people seek him in revival. Uh, sort of the foundational verse for the series is Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. It says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. And so we've been kind of working through over the last month and a half or so kind of each of these elements, right? Humility and prayer and seeking the face of God and repentance and And in doing that, the stories and conversations that I've been able to be a part of with you guys has been amazing. God is doing some awesome things. And and people coming in and saying, you know, God really convicted me about pride. Like, I I didn't realize how much of my life I was just living in my own strength. Or or people getting, coming in and saying, God's really convicted me in my prayer life. Like, I just, I didn't realize how little I was really not fervently praying in bold prayer. I was just sort of talking to God throughout the day, but not really pursuing Him in prayer. Or people come in and say, you know, man, when you're talking about seeking the face of God, that crushed me because I, a lot of my Christian life, to be honest, is kind of on autopilot. Like I, I try to do good things, and I don't do bad things, and I try to be involved in church, but, but I'm not really seeking the face of God, right? I'm just, I'm just kind of floating. Or, or last week, as people were saying, man, God just really convicted me about sins that I'm just allowing to linger in my life, right? Socially acceptable sins that most people would say aren't a big deal. I've just let that stuff kind of stick around, and and God just really convicted me of that. It's just been amazing to hear those stories, and I know there are so many more that I have not had the privilege of being privy to yet. But what I want to do today is I want to kind of land the plane on this and, and put a little bit of a bow on it. And, and I want us to really kind of think through, okay, well, well what now? Right? I don't want to just talk about these things and just kind of move on. I want us to really, really, for us, build a launching pad. Like, how do, we, how, do we, how do we really take off in revival? What does that look like? And so the, the big truth that I want to unpack for us today is God's promise in your responsibility. So when it comes to revival, there are sort of two sides to the coin, all right? There's God's promise, and then there's your responsibility. Um, You cannot just on your own chase after things in your own strength. It's not going to work. Like God, you have to be in a covenant relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. God's grace has to be on you. His spirit has to be in you. You had to be born again first before you can ever be revived. The word revived means to bring life back. So in order for you to ever be revived, you had to first be born again. So you're a believer in Christ. It's not just you and your own strength trying to do good things. But on the also, the other side is you can't just throw your hands up and say, well, when God wants me to be better, he'll just make me better. 
When God wants me to stop doing that, he'll just have me stop doing that. When God wants me to forgive, he'll just make me forgive. When God wants me to not do that sin, he'll just make me not do that sin, right? We'll just come up with these really goofy things that just completely rob ourselves of the agency that God has given you. And you must lean into if you're going to see revival, right? Well, I mean, God, if you don't want me to look at that, I pray you'll make the TV not work. It, didn't, it doesn't work that way, right? Electricity, it always works. There is a certain amount of responsibility that you have if you're going to see your life revive. It's the grace of God, it's the mercy of God, it's the promise of God, it's the work of God, it's the spirit of God, and you must turn and pursue him, right? So when we think about this idea of the promise of God, look back again, we'll throw it up on the screen, that Second Chronicles 7, 14. So we've been spending a bulk of our time on the front part of this verse. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. That's kind of been what we've been focusing on. But look at that last part. Then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and heal their land. Look at those three words, hear, forgive, and heal. What I want you to see in this is that God is talking relational here, right? He's going to hear you. You hear people that you're in communication with and talking to. Forgive whatever has been hindering and blocking you walking in a right relationship with God. He takes that away. And that idea of heal their land, that's such a cool phrase I want to unpack just for a second. So it's something, this idea of healing and healing the land is something that is unique to the Old Testament saints, but it does have a parallel for us. So think about it like this. Land, right? So God showed his covenant promise to his people by giving them land. We call it the promised land, right? The Bible's much easier than we, than we realize, right? It's telling you in the title what it is. It's the promise of God to his people. Here's the land that I'm going to give you to show you that I love you and that you're mine and that you're special. I'm going to protect you and provide for you and care for you in the land that I'm going to give you, right? That's the land. But then he also says, if you sin against me, the primary way I'm going to bring consequence against you is on the land. I'm going to bring pestilence and famine and war. And the ultimate consequence for your unrepentant sin is I'm going to take you out of the land. Right? I'm going to allow other foreign pagan nations to come in, take you out of this land that I've given you, and drag you off to their foreign land. And when he says here that his people would turn to him in humility and repentance and desire and pursuit of seeking the Lord, if they do that, he will take them back to the land and bring healing and revival to them in their land. The point is this. When you're in sin, when your heart is cold, when you are lukewarm, when you allow things that do not bring glory and honor to God in your life, you see that, you repent of that, you turn back to him, God brings you back home too. Right? This is the point. And what is home? God. The point of revival is that you, at the end of it, the ultimate dream, the ultimate goal, the ultimate reward is you get God himself. God brings you back into a revived relationship with him. He brings you home. And, and this is kind of the idea that we've been unpacking in our definition of revival. We've said that revival is the spirit of God using the word of God to put fresh spiritual life into the people of God. And that's exactly what the Lord 
is doing. He desires to revive you. God has been true to his promise. Right? He sent his son to die in your place for your sin. And that when you trust by faith in him, all that separates you from God is taken away. God's wrath is taken away. The consequences for your sin is taken away. The power of sin in your life is taken away. All of that is done and over. So now you get to walk in faithful, loving relationship with him. God has been true to his promise. And he also says to you and I, just like he said to them, now when you turn away from me and you're going to turn away from me. If you grew up in church, we've been singing this forever, right? Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it with my cords above. The idea is that we very easily turn away. And God desires to bring you home. So my question for you today is, will you go home? Will you return? God has done everything that needs to be done to revive you and restore you through the death, burial, and resurrection of His Son, Jesus. My question for you today is what are you going to do? What's your next move? We cannot just stand around praying in some magical day, God hits us with some grace bus, and then boom, we're done. It is through the power of God. It is through the grace of God. It is not our works. And at the same time, in some glorious way that I can't understand, God says, now, you must turn to me in order for this to be true of you. So are you going to turn? What I wanted to do for a couple of minutes today is end where we began. So we began the series about a month and a half ago in our first sermon in this series. And I took some time to unpack for us the story of the prodigal son there in Luke 15. And we saw this as an example of revival, and so we kind of chatted through that a little bit. And I want to end there where we began. So maybe you're familiar with this prodigal son story. Let me first by saying this. um, We are naming this thing totally wrong. The word prodigal means one who gives everything. So this story is not about a prodigal son. This story is about a prodigal father. This story is actually not about the son at all. This story is about the dad. A dad who would willingly give away everything for his son. So again, just to kind of refresh our memory of the story, if you're not familiar with it, Jesus is telling the story in Luke 15. And he says, imagine for me that there's a dad and he has a couple of sons. His younger son comes to him and says, Dad, give me what is due to me. Give me what's coming to me. And what he's saying is this, Dad, I do not love you anymore. I do not want you anymore. You're dead to me. Everything that would come to me in the will when you die, give it to me now. I don't want you. Right? I mean, when he's explaining this story to first century Jewish people, they would be dumbfounded at this. A young man who would speak like that deserves death. But what does this dad do? He sells off his land and gives the son his cut of the inheritance. And then it says that the son went away to a foreign land. And that is extremely important. What does this son do? He walks away from the father. 
He walks away from the Father's love. He walks away from the Father's grace. He walks away from the Father's provision. He walks away from the Father's protection. He walks away from covenant relationship with his Father. He walks away from all of that so he can go to a different land with different people because he wants to do what they want to do. I want to live how those people live. I want to do what those people do. I want to have the kind of fun that I think those people have. So he went to a foreign land. And he went... And it says in the scriptures that when he got there, listen to this, it's very important, I want you to hear this. When he got to the foreign land, he loved it. He loved it. He did not show up immediately and think, oh no, what have I done? He showed up and went, where have you guys been all my life? The scriptures say that he, he, he spent all of his money on uh, the, the Bible would literally say loose living and prostitutes. You can fill in the gap. He enjoyed himself a lot. However, the Bible would also say eventually he blew through the inheritance. And he had nothing left. And what he found was that foreign land has nothing to actually provide or take care of him. That foreign land robs everything and gives nothing. That foreign land looks good from a distance, but when you get over there and get in it, you eventually come to the point where you realize, what have I done? This young man, the scriptures would say, came to the point in such, after going through all the money with such famine and, 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 and such starvation that he's experiencing, that he Sells out himself slopping pigs, and he's so hungry that he wishes he could eat the pig slop. And then you get to verse 17. And I love verse 17 of, of Luke 15 because it says, And when he came to himself, when he came to his senses, when he had that realization moment of, My God, what have I done? He, sin can make you crazy. Sin can make you do things you swore you'd never do and go places you swore you'd never go. And then you look up one day and you look around and you realize, my God, what have I done? And I want you to hear me very quickly. That moment, your Luke 15, 17 moment, where your spiritual eyes are opened to truly see what's going on around you. That is a gift from God. That is a good thing. That is his grace on you and not his judgment. If God wanted to judge you, he would just let you keep doing what you're doing and eventually just experience his wrath. The fact that he shows you your sin is his grace. And so the son comes to his senses. He realizes his sin he says he runs back to the Father. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to, if you have the scriptures, I want you to see Luke 15. I want you to just pick it up in verse 22. All I want to do here just for a couple of minutes is look at the heart of the Father. Look at how Dad responds. So this kid realizes his sin, comes back to the Dad. And look how the Dad responds, Luke 15, verse 22. But the Father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. 
and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. So as you look at verse 24, it says, For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. So that word, phrase, alive again, is two words in the English, one word in the Greek. Uh, in the Greek, that word is anazoa, and it literally means to be revived. Here's what's going on. This dad says, let's celebrate and have a party because my son has experienced revival. This is the heart of God. He wants his kids to be revived. He doesn't want your heart cold and dull. He doesn't want you going through the motions. He doesn't want you experiencing sin. He doesn't want you living in a foreign land. A place that does not love you and does not know you and will not take care of you and will just take everything sucking your soul. He doesn't want you there. He wants you revived. This is the heart of the Father. This is his promise. Come home. Why don't we come home? Well, I think there are a couple of reasons why people stay lingering in the foreign land. Um, Sometimes people stay lingering in the foreign land because, quite honestly, they're scared to death of what God is going to do to them if they come back. God doesn't want me. God is mad at me. If I walk back into that church, the building's probably going to fall down on my head. Right? You're scared of the consequences. You remember, so if any of you grew up in a generation like me where you got whooped, I did not say spanked because there's, you know that there's a massive difference between being spanked and being whooped. Those are not the same thing. May the hearer understand. You ever had that moment where mom or dad like, go to the room, I'll be there in a minute. And you have to walk past your parents to get to your room. As you're walking past your parents, what do you immediately do? Right? <laughs> Just like, because you're afraid, like you don't know how fast that thing's going to, that belt's like, come flying off fast. You're afraid of the consequence. It's funny, side note entirely, I wasn't, but so when, when our oldest, who, I mean, when our youngest was nine, Lottie. Uh, well, she's nine now. When she was three, my wife walked past her room, and she was in there. She had her baby doll bent over the bed. And she was spanking her baby doll. And, uh, and my wife heard our three-year-old Lottie saying, move your hands. Move your hands. Like, she's, she's totally heard that somewhere before, right? All right. So, but you Often, one of the reasons that we stay lingering in a foreign land is because we're scared to death to come home. Right? Again, you've had that moment where you're like, I, I, I don't want to walk through that front door because that is not going to be good. So I just want to kind of stand in the driveway for a little longer. I want you to see the heart of the Father. As this son comes home, he showers him with grace love and mercy and compassion he loves his son and he's throwing a party because his son came home this is the heart of god towards you if you've trusted by faith in jesus through christ on the cross he's already taken care of the wrath and the punishment right that's a done deal through jesus what he wants to shower on you now is grace and love and mercy and relationship but you got to come home for that 
You got to quit hanging out in the foreign land. You got to come home. Don't be afraid. Romans 2 says God's kindness leads us to repentance. When we see how loving and gracious and kind and merciful God is, we want to come home. We want to come home. Sometimes others, they don't come home because, let's just be honest, you ready for this? You just don't want to. You just don't want to. You're like this young son when he first walked into that foreign land. You, you want to stay there. You have no desire to go back home to God. You want to stay where you are. And, and if that's you right now, I want to encourage you. My, my plea for you today would be this. In the least, bow your head today and pray and ask God to in the least give you the desire for him. God is in charge, right? God is sovereign. God rules over all human hearts ultimately. So ask God to give you that desire. God, I want to want to, but right now I don't. I know that I should. I know that's probably ultimately where I'm going, but right now, to be honest, the desire for you isn't there. I don't want to seek after you. I don't want to pursue you. I don't want to repent and turn from this sin. I want to stay in it. I confess that. God, give me a greater desire for you. Give me a greater desire for you. As we see the promises of God, I want you to see again. This is about God's promises and your responsibility. God has been true to his promise. My question for you is what are you going to do now? What are you going to do? Are you going to turn? Are you going to walk out of the foreign land, come home and be revived? God has done everything that needs to be done for you to be revived. He has sent his son to die in your place for your sin, to soak up the wrath of God and take away everything that would separate you and God. He's done all the work. He's done all the work. My question for you now is, are you today, today, right here, right now, are you today going to say to God, I turn from all of that stupid stuff and I turn to you. I want you and not that. I'm coming home. Coming home. Where is your heart? Are you seeking him? Um, It was by design today as we end this series that we end it with communion. Communion, Lord's Supper, Eucharist, whatever church tradition you grew up in uh, doing it. Um, There's reason by design we decided to end the series today doing that. Because um, as as we take part in the Lord's Supper, what this does, it is... Reminder to us, a powerful and amazing truth that is real in us, that this for us symbolizes the body and blood of Jesus Christ that was shed so that you can come home. Every time we take this, 
We are remembering and celebrating and worshiping and praising God for the fact that Jesus Christ lived and died and rose again for me. And now he literally, spiritually lives in me. And as I take this communion, and as I put these elements into my body, I am physically saying what my spirit is saying, that Jesus Christ lives and dwells inside of me. And because of that, I want to turn from everything that does not bring glory and honor to him. And I want to turn my hearts to Jesus. And I want to run home to my Father. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. Listen to how this describes what we're doing here at the Lord's Supper. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-five. Jesus took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Listen to verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Every time you do this, it says here that you're doing two things. You're remembering and you're proclaiming. You're remembering the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ on your behalf to take away your sin and to make you a son and daughter of God. And the second thing you're doing is proclaiming. That word proclaiming is in the Greek caruso. It literally means to preach. It's what I'm doing right now. Every time you take this, you're preaching a sermon. You're preaching a sermon to the world, and you're preaching a sermon to yourself. You are preaching a message and saying, Jesus is my sacrifice. He is my Lord. He is my lover. He is my friend. He is all that I need. And when I take this, I am proclaiming that I have totally surrendered my life to him. My life is his. His life is in me. And I have nothing and want nothing above him. He is my greatest treasure and I love him. And any sin that's in my life, I'm asking the Spirit of God to show me so that I can turn from it and be clean and clear and faithful in my walk with Jesus. That is what you preach every time you put this in your body. Is that what you want to preach? Is that what you mean to preach? Is that actually what is true in you? My assumption is today, we need to take some time as a body to sit before the Lord in all the areas in our lives that are cold, cold to a love for Jesus, calloused to sin, accepting of things of this world all those things that the Holy Spirit would convict us of and today we would turn from that and say no that is not what I'm preaching when I do this and when I preach this when I proclaim this when I do this I want it to be right this is what I'm saying Jesus is my life and I'm turning from everything and I'm running home to God so I want to encourage you to bow your heads for me um I want you just to take just a minute to 
sit before the Lord. What you're about to take is the physical reminder of God's promise to you. The physical reminder of what God has done and it's everything possible for you to turn to Him and be revived. The question for you today is, will you actually do it? You sit before the Lord. You tell Him your heart. By God's grace, see His sacrifice and run back to the today I pray God that you would stir in us our need for revival I pray God that you would show us where we are living as the young son wandering down our own path I pray God today that we would be honest with you about that we would set our minds on your grace shown to us through the cross of Christ that makes revival even possible pray, God, today all across this room there are prayers whispered of saying I'm turning back to you, God. Revive my spirit. I'm coming home. Do this in us for your glory, Jesus. Amen. Well, as you have in front of you, you should be on the back of the pew in front of you. If you do not have any in front of you, there's some on the um, table here. Uh, Jay, if you could be so kind as to take that and, and help our folk on the front row. Um, so as, as we remember, again, communion, what communion symbolizes, what it celebrates, and, 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 and understanding for us in a Protestant um, Baptist tradition. So um, we... Some tr- church traditions would say that, you know, this literally becomes the body and blood of Jesus. We, we, we would disagree with that. We would say that it's symbolic. But I want to encourage you just for a moment um, as we take this here. It is symbolic, but I want you to understand this is, this is a powerful symbol. This is, 
there's something spiritual and supernatural that's taking place. In that um, 1 Corinthians 11 passage that I read, if you were to bump up a few verses, it would say, listen to me very carefully, it would tell us there are people who God killed because they did this with an unrepentant heart. So that's going to tell us something here. This is symbolic. This doesn't actually become Jesus. But there's something powerful here. And when you take this, you are proclaiming something that is life-altering. You are proclaiming that you have trusted by Jesus Christ, by faith in Jesus Christ, to make you new. And anything in your life that does not look like Jesus, you are gladly setting aside so you can glorify and honor God. And if that's not in your heart today, I want you to hear me. For the record, I didn't say this in the first service, so I think that means somebody here needs to hear this. Seriously. If that's not your heart right now, don't do this. Does it Not taking this doesn't mean you're not a Christian. For the record, there's been times in my life where I have not felt like I should be taking communion. There are just things I'm still working through, some relational things that hadn't quite gotten cleaned up yet. And I just felt like I just, I just need to step aside. I just don't feel like I can take that right now. That doesn't mean that God left me. doesn't mean that God doesn't love me. doesn't mean that God's grace isn't on me. What it does mean was this. I took sin very, very seriously. I wasn't going to pretend I was living something that right now at that moment, I just wasn't living. God sees your heart. Don't play games with him. However, if right now today you may say, all right, look, yes, I walked into here with junk in my heart and junk in my life, but right now this second I'm telling you I want free of that. I'm walking free of that, and I'm running back to God. Then bless God, take this by faith, praising Jesus that it's his powerful life, death, and resurrection that makes that revival possible for you. It's about your heart. If your heart is desiring to pursue God, then pursue God in this. If that's not quite there yet, it's okay. As we take this, take time today to pray that God would put that desire in you. So as we take the cup, you can take off the first layer there and you'll expose the wafer. This wafer celebrates and remembers the body of Jesus Christ that was broken for you so that you can be right with God. So Lord, we thank you for this. We pray your blessings on this element as we take it in your name. Thank you, Jesus. Take and eat. Now as we take off the next layer, we expose the cup. The scriptures would say that this represents the blood of Jesus shed for you so that you can enter into the new covenant, a new relationship with God. When you take this, what you're saying is, I believe that Jesus did everything that needed to be done so that I could be right with God. It's nothing that I need to do to earn favor with God. Jesus did everything. And I trust by faith in Jesus to make me new and I'm living my life for him. If that is in your heart and that your statement of faith to the Lord today we can take and drink
Lord God, we thank you. We thank you for your life. We thank you, God, for your, your love. We thank you, Lord, that you have made us new. I pray, Jesus, that as we set our hearts and our minds on you, your death, your burial, your resurrection, you accomplishing everything we need to be revived, I pray, God, that we now take a step just like the younger son. We come to our senses. We realize what's going on. We see the foreign land that we're in. And we come back home. Covered by your grace. Covered by your love. Made new in you. Thank you, Jesus. Do this in us for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, um, as we uh, wrap up today, we've got a few uh, things we want to do, some people we want to introduce to you. We've just had a crew go through our new members process. We had some folk uh, in the first service go through the membership process. We introduced Bud and Mary Jackson, um, Joni Myers and Joshua and Amber Scott as members in the first service. Uh, I will say this, Joshua and Amber were not able to be here today because Amber gave birth to their first child last night. So praise the Lord for that. That's awesome. Excited for that. And excited for those uh, new members joining us. And so I've got some folk I want to introduce for you here today. Um, we'll start with Audrey. Audrey Gilbert. And as Audrey joins us, Cynthia. Cynthia Mischia. Can you come on also? Just come on down some. All right. So this is Audrey. Um, Audrey uh, has been a part of our youth ministry, came up through our youth ministry, um, graduated high school, is now a part of our young adult group, uh, and she is coming forward today. So uh, as a church, what we say is, for your kids, I know we have um, four kids under the age of 18, our kids are very much a part of this body, obviously, right? Um, but we believe that when it comes to actual full membership, you need to be an adult making adult decision. And so we love seeing our uh, young people do this. And so uh, Audrey's coming in today doing that, taking that step uh, and saying, look, I, I want to be a member of Southview Baptist Church as an adult growing in the Lord. So we love seeing that. And we're excited about Audrey being a part of us. So if you're excited about Audrey taking this step in her walk with the Lord and coming into full covenant membership for us as a body, say amen and give her a big hand, all right? All right, Cynthia, you come on down this way. So this is Cynthia. Cynthia Misha comes today uh, as well to be a part of membership with us. Cynthia's got such a great story of uh, God just began working in her heart and drawing her to a deeper walk with him. And as he was doing that, she said, I need to be a part of a church. And so we were just the first one she popped into. She was like, hey, I like this place. Let's, let's, let, I want to stay here. And so um, we're so excited for what God is doing in Cynthia, how God has brought her here to share in the body of Christ here at Southview. So if you're excited for that, Say amen and give Cynthia a big round of applause. Thank you, Cynthia. You can step down as well. Brandon and Allie, come on, guys. This is Brandy and Allie Soroy. So we met Allie a few minutes earlier at the beginning of the service, getting baptized. This is now her husband, Brandon. Uh, they come today in membership as well. They've got their kids with them. Uh, Brandon's active duty. He's stationed here at Bragg. And uh, both are plugged into journey groups and really getting connected here. And, and I just want to encourage you guys, let them really be an example. We know that we're in a, in a military community. Um, and so we know that means there are a lot of people moving in and moving out. 
if you're a military uh, personnel uh, and you're here, we know that you're not going to be here forever. We know you're going to leave. We know you're going to get an email on Monday. You're like, hey, pack your bags. Like, okay. That's okay with us. We want you to be a part of the body here for as long as you're here, right? Six months, six years, 60 years. Take a step. Join in membership. Let us love on you and disciple you so that when you're sent off, man, we get to send you off with blessings. So Brandon and Allie are doing that. I'm so excited for them, so proud of them being an example of that. So if you're excited to have Brandon and Allie being a part of the body here, let them know by saying amen and giving them a big hand. All right. Bill and Polly, come on, guys. Just right here. Bill and Polly Stores, so excited to have this couple with us as well. Um, they've kind of lived all up and down the East Coast, uh, traveling for work, and they've landed here in Fayetteville. And so, so glad to have Bill and Polly with us. they got their kids with them as well. Um, uh, met in Young Life back in the day. Uh, and so great ministry for those of you that may be a part of Young Life. Met back in Young Life, serving there and been together serving the Lord uh, everywhere that God has them. So now God's landed them here and they're a part of the membership here at Southview now. So excited for this family coming and be a part. So again, if you're excited for them, you're ready to welcome them in as the body of Christ here. Give them a big hand and say amen for that as well. All right. Uh, Sharon. Is Sharon Hubbard here? Sharon. Come on, Sharon. Great. And then Emily as well. Emily, why don't you come on down as well? So this is Sharon Hubbard. Sharon has come to be a part of, again, the body here. And the great thing about Sharon is she's my neighbor, right? So she lives in my neighborhood. Part of the grand scheme of winning Cypress Lakes to Jesus. And so that's the goal. And so great to have Sharon a part of us. She's plugged in. She's in a journey group. Alan Fox is her journey group leader. And so she is already plugged in, a part of the body here. So so glad to have her with us, really getting plugged in and connected, seeing fruit bear out already. So again, if you're excited about Sharon being a part of the body here and welcoming her in as your sister at the body, let her know by giving her a round of applause and saying amen. And Emily. So uh, I, I mentioned Audrey down on the end. Emily, same thing. So Emily uh, grew up here, gone through the youth ministry here, children's ministry here, serves on, uh, on our worship team. So you've probably seen her up with the band. Uh, but again, for her, she's graduating out of high school. She's turned 18. She's taking a step towards uh, maturity as an adult. And as a part of that, she said, I want to take this step and become a full member of the body here. And so just love that. Love seeing God doing that in our young people. Love seeing God uh, em empowering them to take that step, owning their walk with the Lord, owning their membership, saying, I want to do this as an adult. So we love seeing this. So we're excited about Emily coming and being a part. So if you're excited about Emily taking that step, being a part of the body here as a covenant member, let her know by saying amen and giving her a big hand also. All right. Very excited, very excited. And again, we had a whole crew during the first service as well, so that's just amazing. We love this. We're going to do another round of membership um, here in just a couple of months. We tend to do about one a quarter, so we'll do another one here in just a few months. If you'd like to take part in covenant membership or just to know what that's like, you can go through our membership class. So you can learn about us and what we do and why we do it and all that kind of good stuff. So real quick, let's do this. I want to pray for these folk as a whole and praise God for them uh, and allowing us to have them be a part of our body, all right? So let's just lift up our prayers for them. 
Lord, I just thank you for these amazing folk. I thank you, God. It's such a gift for us, the church, for me as a pastor, that you would bless us with these amazing people. And they are blessings and they are gifts. I praise God. I praise you, God, for allowing us to experience this. I pray, God, for them that you allow their roots to go deep, fruit to bear out. They'll, they'll form great friendships, God, and that they'll really be able to see you bear out great things for your glory here as a part of our body. Thank you for them. I pray, God, for us as a church that we will love them and serve them and minister to them well, that we will do our part to care for them and shepherd them in the way that brings you glory. Thank you, God, again for them. We love them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, give them one more hand. Thank you, guys. You can have a seat. Appreciate that. And as we wrap up here in just a few moments, please feel free to run by and find them and hug their neck and tell them that you are glad that they are a part of us. Now, as we wrap up our time here just a couple of quick announcements for you if you're a guest with us man we're so glad that you're here you came on a great day had a lot of good stuff going on so glad that you're here if you are a guest we'd love to connect with you best way you can do that is to grab your cell phone right now and just text the word connect to our number on the screen 910-424-1298 just text the word connect so that we can pray for you and love you um but now Big three announcements for everyone. Just what's going on here and uh, how you can stay plugged in. First, our missions uh, dinner and fundraising auction that's going to be on March 18th. Come be a part of that. Uh, You can take part in the auction, buy some great stuff. That money goes straight to missions. Um, You can also buy tickets for the meal. It's a fantastic meal. You're going to love it. Uh, You can buy tickets by texting the word TICKET to our number, 910-424-1298. Be sure to do that. Mark your calendars, March 18th. Second, men's retreat. We're already getting ready for a men's retreat. Um, Registration for that is going to open in the next couple of weeks, but go ahead and mark your calendars, all right? That's going to be September 29th through October 1st. Guys, mark your calendars. Be ready for this. Cost is going to be $175 for men. 110 for youth with a $50 deposit. Mark your calendars. Be ready. You're not going to want to miss it. It's going to be a fantastic time. And then last announcement. Next week, we're going to start a new series in the book of Colossians. And I'm so excited. It's going to be called Jesus is Greater Than Everything. And the idea behind the series is there are so many things in this world clamming for us to uh, pursue them. Uh, seeking to get love and acceptance and, and security and, and, and uh, faithfulness from all kinds of things in this world. But again, like we saw with that foreign land, it, it never gives what it promises. But we're going to show that Jesus is greater than everything. And that when we trust him as our greatest joy and source of all things, he does remarkable things in our life. So that's going to be next Sunday, cranking up in Colossians. Your homework this week, read the book of Colossians. All right, it's going to be great. Come in next week. We're going to jump into it. It's going to be amazing. Uh, For everything else, all our other announcements, you can download our app, iTunes or Google Play. And uh, you can give online also through the app or in our giving boxes as you leave. Whatever is going to work best for you. All right? All right. Well, as we wrap up here, there's one more.